demand for content has remained very strong so that's been something that we've been focusing on during the lockdown i think on the e-commerce front this will actually you know in the medium term end up being uh, a positive experience for us because i think a lot more people post lockdown have become comfortable buying online a lot more people have bought groceries online for the first time and i do think that's going to start uh, you know showing benefits in other categories as well in fact even when deliveries weren't allowed for non essential goods we were getting orders throughout lockdown because people still have things to celebrate hey everybody welcome to this episode of stars and startups with me varun gumedi today we'll be exploring the wedding business in india weddings form a strong part of our culture and most families would go to any lengths to ensure that the occasion is perfect they usually plan well in advance likely to coincide with auspicious dates on the calendar and hopefully can bring together friends family and people together but these are strange times we live in all that meticulous planning wouldn't have been sufficient to manage what was set to unfold sana vora is the founder and ceo of the wedding brigade an online portal where users can discover the best wedding content by curated wedding fashion and book verified vendors and services the wedding brigade has carved a niche for itself by gathering a highly engaged audience and produces high quality content to stay connected and relevant to those customers sana discusses in this episode how she looks at content how drives commerce why very few have been able to achieve the same success that they have managed also we talk about the future of zoom weddings and what's in store for the massive indian weddings market okay enough from me let's get to our chat with sana hi sana how is the lockdown treating you uh as well as it can <laughs> are you cooked up uh, do you do you have like a set schedule of things to do i know you're a very busy ceo of the wedding brigade so honestly uh, i just feel like my day has just uh, lost a lot of structure in a way right because people are working at all hours early in the morning late at night and i don't feel like there's as much separation between work and home as there was before and so i'm actually trying to put a little bit more structure to it so i'm not just working at random hours all of the time and picking up calls at random hours but considering so much has changed that's also sort of the need of the time right to be available and to move quickly So yeah, just trying to balance everything. You know, a lot uh, of uh, work from home employees, uh, you know, are finding a very hard time actually kind of separating life and work. And and I think a lot of, uh, I think we're a little bit more privileged uh, in the fact that we have uh, spaces that we can probably you know go away to. I, I think a lot more are suffering from you know a lot of people being in in a, in a single space. Um, so. Uh, does your team have the same kind of challenges uh, you know what are the larger uh, you know things that your team struggle with so i think uh, at first uh, people honestly miss the office you know i think there's a lot of obviously like camaraderie you have especially in a young organization and because most of our team was based in bombay we even though we have used slack and things like that in the office as well like people were also very used to just physically going up to each other talking getting things done so i think it was a bit of an adjustment at first to move to a digital platform but the same way you know we had a meeting schedule in office we now have a meeting schedule digitally so people know kind of you know when they need to give updates people have a sense of kind of what needs to get done by what time i do definitely think that um, working from home is tough for people who share space right because 
a lot of times for example they'll be on mute because there are other people sitting in the room as them so they or they won't put on their video because there's confusion behind them which uh, is understandable i think it's just something that we all kind of have to get used to the most important part for me is that i do feel though in the last month we have gotten used to working productively from home which is the most important right whether they turn on their video camera or not i don't care as much about that but more about that the work is productive and they feel like they are able to be effective so i think people have found their groove a bit um you you know run a company that is effectively uh, in the business of where people uh, actually gather right so uh, social distancing distancing itself uh, is not necessarily possible but we'll come to that we'll i i do want to talk about this uh, in much more detail uh, but the the business uh, of it how did you get into it um, i know when you started off you were very young um, so you may not have ever thought about actually getting married um it was very random actually it wasn't uh, something you know that has been preconceived or something i was thinking of doing for a long time a little bit of context i went to my undergrad at brown university in the states i actually started a small business there so i had a little bit of experience with entrepreneurship i knew it was something i enjoyed i knew at some point in my life i would come back to it but uh, i was actually an investment banker in new york i was working at morgan stanley uh, did a lot of sort of equity transactions for companies uh, focusing on tech so i worked with companies like twitter and care.com and mavenir and while working with them you know when they were going public or doing follow on offerings i was always just much more interested in these companies operationally than i was in them financially and i realized that okay you know what i want to work with companies again on a more like biz dev level and so i was keeping my eyes and ears open for opportunities and i went to india on holiday and my friend shivani sister was getting married in a few months and she was telling us all about the wedding and everything that goes into it and it just struck me how incredibly complex it is you know how many moving parts there are how stressful it is i went back to um, the states and i started doing research i started talking to more couples and i realized that there wasn't a unique experience you know planning an indian wedding there's so little assurance of like quality there's so little transparency in pricing there's so much stress so much money a lot of times you know brides have to actually quit their jobs before planning a wedding because they can't manage both at the same time and after all of that the wedding is still not enjoyable for the bride or the family or the groom because they're running around getting things done and not actually being able to have fun and spend time with their guests and i just realized you know there has to be a better way to do this and essentially we started off with a content platform did a little bit of research and in 2016 the wedding brigade was born and the goal is to create india's largest wedding brand with curated and easy to access wedding content products venues and services so brides can just find everything they need in one place and it just makes the process of planning a wedding stress free and more fun you know um the first time i heard of the wedding brigade uh, was when uh, a, a colleague of mine had just come back from her wedding and uh, mm-hmm. i i believe we got the request from the wedding brigade to collect you know foreign transactions and she was a colleague uh, who's like oh my god you know she saw the the name of the company and the request and she was so excited because uh, i believe she had used uh the platform quite extensively for her research uh about you know right and and you know that at that point you know as a, as a man i don't think uh, i spent uh we spent rather 
let me talk journalistically. Uh, <laughs> but we spend that much time, you know, uh, on on searching for clothes or, you know, because it, it's very simple. So, uh, so she was a very passionate user. Uh, and I realized that uh, she probably spoke about this quite a lot and a lot of her friends and a lot of her family ended up using it or at least getting links from the platform that, mm-hmm. you know, that she probably used uh, for her own wedding. Um, so I gather at, at that point, you were primarily building content um, to help brides, uh, to be brides, um, you know, plan their wedding. Was that, was that the, uh, genesis of, of the wedding brigade? So the larger idea in my head was always to build a one-stop full service platform, right? Based on the experiences of the brides I'd spoken to, but being very young, I think I was 23 or something when I started doing some research and uh, also not having much experience in tech or in India, I just thought it would be very difficult to create a massive platform from the get-go without much proof of concept. And so we decided to start with content just to see if people are even interested in planning their wedding online. And once we got a lot of engagement, then we started moving slowly to the different commerce parts of the business and we built it out that way. Just not because I didn't think or believe in the larger idea, but because I needed more proof before I could, uh, you know, invest in a team and try and raise funding. You know, I, I realized I would have to do that after showing some kind of growth, some kind of user exception. That's um, very mature as a 20 year old to, to say, okay, this is the path I would follow. Um, it, it, is something kind of helped you with that? Um, honestly, not really. I mean, it's a huge, even just to get the content platform up and running was an absolutely massive task, you know, and it started with just me. Then I hired, I think four people when the first kind of like beta version of the content platform went live. And even for the five of us to just do that was absolutely huge. So I genuinely just didn't have the capacity with a team of that size to do anything more. So maybe that was lucky in a way that I, I, I realized that we would have to start small, but, uh, yeah, I think it sort of helped us later because I think if I had spent another year developing it and launched it without any type of customer insight, I think it would have been harder to probably scale uh, as the way we did after, you know, having some experience in content. Because I would imagine, um, you know, your, your friends and, you know, people who interact with you would have immediately said, hey, we need to see X, Y, and Z. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want a photographer. I want like 10 other things. A lot of people did and I mean, still a lot of people do, right? They'll be like, oh, but like, you know, can I get a pundit? Can I get this? And it takes time to build out these categories. And, you know, you have to prioritize the ones that you think are going to suit most of your users as opposed to, you know, your friends, your family. Uh, so this is sort of a constant, uh, you know, struggle, so to speak. But I think over time, we've also become more confident in saying that, no, this is what we're doing. We're not changing from this path. We are going to get these things done first. We're not going to get distracted. And then we're going to move on to the next project because definitely at different times in our life cycle, I think we've tried to bite off a little bit more than we can chew and it, it doesn't end well, right? I've realized it's better to be focused. Um, I think it's fortuitous, right? Like, so you're uh, building content and then kind of building on it. And, and of course, creating good content also requires uh, extreme focus. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't have uh, the 
the kind of users who really want to use a platform talk about it right because you want people to share and and do other things uh, and they become prom- proponents to your um, uh, you know kind of what you're building um did you follow some strategy of creating quality content because a lot of people struggle with that um honestly i think there were a few things uh, kind of that helped us at that point in time i think one is i'd come from the states right so i'd been consuming content from there i've been looking a lot of bridal i've been looking at a lot of bridal platforms there and their content is pretty advanced and pretty sophisticated and really well written and so that was my standard right it didn't matter if that wasn't the type of content i was seeing in the indian landscape that was still my standard when it came to content and so that's what i held our writers to that's what i held our team to which i think helped to a certain extent because honestly at that point there weren't very many content based platforms like when we were just starting out like it was still pretty rare i think more of them popped up around like you know 17 18 you suddenly start seeing these um, different different platforms pop up i think the second thing also is that we caught social media at the right time you know we built our instagram page at the right time we built our facebook page at the right time and so we were also able to a certain extent like ride that initial wave i think it is harder to build a following as quickly as we did now uh, purely based on algorithms like i'll be fair and i'll say that um and i think the last part also is that i was like very much in the center of my demographic right i mean i was building a platform for women in their you know mid 20s to mid 30s that age group of a lot of the people who got married find what they wanted for weddings and so that was of natural interest also so i was always looking for ideas i was naturally like you know reading stuff in my free time looking at designers which i think helps if there's a genuine passion and interest for your topic or for your business uh, i think it goes a long way and it translates right to the products that you put out so i think all of that helped from a content perspective isn't it annoying that you don't see that i've released a new episode via your linkedin news feed don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player i highly encourage you to subscribe to my newsletter that i will start sending out via substack the url for which i'm leaving in show notes stars.substack.com to get informed when a new episode drops okay back to the show um i i was just looking at your insta page uh, you have about 713k followers um that yeah. and and you're saying that a lot of that uh, you know i have a lot of my cousins who uh, you know seem to be following you uh, Oh. but <laughs> but uh, if you look at the hockey stick growth uh, did a lot of the sharing etc happen from there because i mean weddings are a colorful event um and and you know uh, how did you gauge content was it you know shares i mean it's it's a typical shares likes uh, kind of a game but uh, i'm i'm guessing there was other yardsticks that you followed i mean we definitely looked at like engagement right uh, like not just the shares with the the comments etc we also looked at like the reach sometimes posts may not like have that many likes on it but it may just actually end up reaching out to a lot of people um and then i think we also looked at like what we were doing that was different than other people because the truth is like on a platform like instagram and i mean this happens to us all the time right you have smaller wedding platforms come look at our page we literally like screenshot the picture put their own little caption or sometimes just copy paste our caption and put it on their page there's nothing like 
super unique so to speak right i mean we posted first we have a larger following but nothing stops them from doing that because we're getting the photo from a photographer and so now i feel like we're kind of taking the content to the next level where there's another layer to it we're asking you to choose between some options we're asking you to we're making like our own memes we're making our own gifs where you know we're sort of adding our own layer to the content and then we're putting our logo there to sort of document that this is something that we've done which and i think creates a little bit of that differentiation now because otherwise it's very easy i mean we have like entire blogs that have been copied and pasted by other platforms you know so it's important to kind of this yeah keep evolving keep staying ahead of the curve yeah i mean fighting plagiarism in india is probably going to be a downward slope <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't make sense after us. i mean what do i gain by getting them is they're just going to do it again next time so rather than do that like let's focus on making sure that our content is unique or if we're posting pictures from a wedding it's because we've actually spoken to that bride and we've covered the wedding on our blog you know we're not just screenshotting her picture and putting it up and also i think to a certain extent brides and grooms also know which portals are legit and which aren't you know we get a lot of inquiries for people to feature their photos on our platform because there is a certain sense of like okay i had a really cool wedding if i see it on the wedding brigade you know it's a little bit of like affirmation so to speak you know it's funny i was uh Uh, since yesterday and today i was crowdsourcing questions uh, to ask you because you know uh, in terms of the demographic i i definitely don't fall in you know the category that you cater to right um uh-huh. so my my cousin did ask me how do i get featured on the wedding brigade right so that was a question how do you guys handle this uh, how do you choose because i'm sure you get a lot of requests it's hard you know and i mean i honestly like i wish we could feature all of them but the truth is that there's only so much that we can post every day and we need to make sure that what we post is also differentiated right if i post seven pictures of a of brides in red lehngas every day people aren't going to find that content engaging enough or interesting enough and so we have an editorial team who looks at the content and what they post is purely based on what they think people are currently interested in so it could be that you know uh they'll get something right now but because they posted something similar they may not choose to run it but maybe in a month from now because they haven't run something like that in a while they'll choose to post it so it there's no formula we get asked this a lot it's it's very much just you know is it something unique is it something different have we not talked about it very much recently if the answer to the both those questions are yes we're going to post it and if we don't post it now we may post it later or we may not post it at all but that's just purely because there's only so much that we can do on 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 an instagram page right um and so yeah it, it is tough i wish we could post them all but uh, you know we, we, there has to be some kind of uh, editorial process from the time you started um and up till now uh, there's a lot that has changed um in in the business uh, of the wedding brigade uh you know so today when i go to uh, the website uh, there's a lot of more focus on the commerce aspects things that you can buy things that you can you know use um, how did you transition uh, have you completely taken the content off of the platform and then use uh, the social uh, channels to to push that and then you document it elsewhere so that they can kind of sift through it how is that played out So the blog is still a massive part of the platform. In fact, like half of our traffic goes to the blog. It's on our main website, uh, so that's still very much there. We don't have that same image-based database as we did earlier. What we've done is we've 
sort of transition to slightly more in-depth, useful content. So we publish daily uh, original articles on our blog. We create a lot of video content. Some of that is created originally in-house. Some of that is sourced and sort of amalgamated and put together. Um, so it's still very much a big part of the website. And actually, it ends up sort of uh, uh, leading people to the commerce part of the website as well. Because some of the content that we discuss has, you know, nothing to do with the website. It can be, you know, 15 questions to ask your gynecologist before you get married. You know, we don't own on an article like that, but it creates that sense of like trust, right? And we are providing information that is, we hope, useful to the end customer. And then there is content that has to do with, you know, uh, what you can buy or book on the platform, but that's packaged in a slightly more interesting way rather than just, you know, buy this. Uh, and so that also does give us a lot of leads on the paid side. So uh, the content has become a lot more broad based, but it, it drives to this specific content um, that you have built. Um, so now does commerce, uh, commerce does take precedence because you wanted to convert to transactions? I mean, I wouldn't say it takes precedence, but like what I would say is that obviously if I have to choose between what part of the business is working, it's best. It would be commerce, right? That's at the end of the day how we make money. We don't make money on content. But for commerce to work well, I need content to work well because I get a lot of leads and traffic from there. So they are interrelated in a way. So more recently, you moved uh, into the events um, space. Is, is that public knowledge? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been in on the venues and services booking side for a long time. So we have like over 4000 verified venues and vendors across India that you could wow. book through the help of an expert concierge. That's been long for, around for a long time. But uh, we did kind of get into our first managed venue space at the end of uh, 2019, which was new. But generally, the booking space, we've been there for a while. Because that seems to be the the general uh, when, when somebody says weddings in India, right? Uh, and they want to create a website that seems to be like the top three things you would do You say, I'll curate, uh, you know, venues, I'll curate, uh, services, I'll curate, um, you know, uh, things that you could do for the wedding, like maybe, uh, destinations, um, that I could book for, etc. Uh, has that, uh, been also kind of the, the moneymaker for the wedding bigger? That's, is that how you monetize? That is part of our monetization. So what would happen is, you know, when people would book through our portal, we would make a commission on each booking uh, on the venue side or the vendor side. Uh, I think over time, what we realized is though that we wanted a little bit more control over that part of the process. Uh, so like, you know, with e-commerce, even though uh, we sell, it's a marketplace model, we sell a number of different brands on our platform. A lot of the brands are exclusive. A lot of the brands are curated. The customer service team is our in-house team. It goes in our packaging. It's very much like a wedding brigade experience when you buy through us. Our content is all original, original. So on the services side as well, we wanted to go a little bit deeper and have more control, which is when we started to explore the uh, managed venue model. And, you know, as I think the situation evolves with COVID and smaller functions are happening at home again, I think the our point of view and our perspective is also to then create solutions that go a little bit deeper as well. Not just stick to sort of like booking and taking a commission, but yeah, have a little bit more uh, control over the process and play a larger role in the whole process. 
so technology is becoming a lot more uh, a part of uh, weddings <laughs> as as you just mentioned um so yeah i think from an inspiration side it, it caught on really quickly i don't know a single bride who doesn't look at wedding content on instagram or pinterest or read blogs but i think now we're going to see more of a movement on the commerce side as well which is great um i was just seeing uh, you know like um, there was a article that mentions uh, the ceo of matrimony.com uh, talking about uh, 15000 Uh, some some crazy number of registrations happening per day, right? Um, with with and and you know I mean it's it's a marginal increase of about I think twenty five thirty percent of total registrations they have on a daily basis. Um, do you see this as an opportunity, uh, especially like you know the lockdown itself and and you know COVID uh, of of resulting in more transactions, um, you know, in the future? Um, Like how how does that play out? So I think twenty uh, twenty is going to be a tough year for the wedding industry, right? Because uh, even though there are clearly people who are interested in getting married, maybe being you know locked down with their parents made them realize that uh, they want their new, they want a partner, they want their own home. I don't really know what's promoting that increase, but uh, the truth is, even if people start looking this year, very few people are going to get married this year because. Uh, even when the lockdown opens there are definitely going to be restrictions around travel there are definitely going to be restrictions around the number of people that can gather in one place and destination weddings obviously are going to be a huge issue and so we're expecting a lot of the functions that happen in 2020 to either be like smaller pre events like people will do a legal ceremony you know just go to the court and get married and be with their family members at home or a small wedding at their at their home or maybe they'll just do like a roka and then they'll do a larger celebration later and so i think 2020 is going to be tough for the whole industry there're going to be few events and the events that happen will be smaller but i do think that latent demand is going to end up being a bit of a plus point in 2021 because you have all of these 2020 weddings that have possibly that have been postponed you'll have the 2021 weddings happening And so I do think that yes, 2021 should end up being a good year, but you know we all need to survive 2020 first to get there. You know, um, from in the in the five years uh, that you've been working on on this product, uh, have you seen any uh, trends? Uh, you know that started off as you know because I mean we were also less hooked on to social media and, and you know trying to get our weddings featured. <laughs> Uh, Etc. Right, where a lot of events seem to be for the purpose of uh, an Instagram moment or a uh, or a Facebook moment uh, or a profile picture. Uh, there seems to also be expenses that people are spending. Okay, let's create this as a you know scenic kind of spot that people can tag us in. Um, it, <laughs> I'd love to see how uh, you know you've seen kind of from your from your viewpoint. I mean I think social media has had an absolutely enormous impact on weddings I mean I think an unprecedented on honestly impact on weddings the first thing is that when weddings would happen earlier the people who would attend the weddings would see the function they would come they would eat bless the bride and groom leave and the bride and groom would have pictures you know in their family album and that's it no one else is really going to see your wedding photos now while the wedding is happening it's broadcasted on people's stories on social media 
and then after the wedding there are pictures that come out that there is suddenly a lot of pressure to have a wedding that is unique that is different than your friends that does something interesting where the outfits stand out and i do think that's ended up creating a lot of pressure for brides and grooms and i think funnily enough you were talking about how you're not in you know the target audience and a lot of men tend not to sort of care too much about the wedding you know you'll be surprised how many grooms now look at their outfits figure out you know that barat ends up being an entirely different function by itself because there's so much planning to have the most epic barat ever and this <laughs> and that i mean it's really created a lot of pressure i mean i personally i'm not like a fan of like doing things just for social media but one sort of positive aspect of that trend is i do think people are thinking a little bit deeply about you know what is it about me and my partner that makes us special what do we want our guests to know about us how can we you know reflect our personalities include our journeys in the wedding so that i find very interesting because when you when that differentiation is coming not from oh how do i make it look good on social media but how do i really show who i am and who we are together i think that creates an amazing experience for yourself and for the guests and so that that were a huge fan of the wedding video that's interesting uh, you know uh, you you said that grooms are getting involved now is that also mm-hmm. a function of social media i think so i think so 100% i do not remember grooms being as involved in their clothing you're seeing even if you look at men's wedding clothing over the last 10 years and you look at collections designers have put out there is a strong evolution earlier it was let the bride wear what she wants and i'll match the bride uh, i definitely made my husband go down that path but a lot of times the groom is wearing like an you know attention ceiling outfit they are draped they are bright colors they are prints and it's cool right there are a lot of grooms who like are into fashion they also want to express themselves it's great but I, yeah i do think that i do think a little bit of that is the impact of social media and i think the other part is what i spoke about people are just a little bit more comfortable being themselves and bringing themselves to the wedding you know it's not just about okay my cousin did it like this so i'll do it like this and then we'll all go home um you know one of the uh, you know we had a, a family wedding and you know not too long ago uh, this year and you know probably going to be the most talked about wedding Uh, you know for some time to come that one of the uh, biggest um, takeaways from for me from that wedding was uh, destination weddings are becoming a lot more common place um, you know the wedding you know a lot of these jungle retreats are becoming um, you know wedding venues which for me is you know i can't i can't kind of uh, bring that together because you know you want a jungle retreat to be for animals not for you know <laughs> the other type of animal <laughs> which is us uh, um and but they also spend a lot on uh, a lot of time on choreography on the dancing on the you know aspects um there is also like you know how can we also celebrate and bring people together and and do things together is that what you were referring to where they were coming together to you know at least create an experience for everybody uh in in what sense you know in terms of trends yeah because you know earlier like you mentioned like people were just going to come on stage or you know come give a gift get a photo and then leave but now with the choreography and the dancing so there there's a lot more involvement where saying okay let's bring 
whoever is my friends and family into this. I, so the question is primarily around, you know, is that also a trend where uh, a lot more people are spending on these things and that's where the expenses have gone up uh, on, on, you know. Definitely. So funnily enough, I think in general, the number of people invited to weddings has de- decreased a little bit. But the spend per guest is higher. You want to give a thoughtful gift. You want to make sure that, you know, uh, the if you're having a destination wedding, the care package in the room is something that, you know, they would really love and cherish. You want to send a great invite. You want to make sure that at the Mendy, it's not just henna, your, you know, their bangles and their games and their crafts and this and that. So definitely people are trying to create an experience. And I mean, in fact, I know people who've uh, gotten married at national parks and they'll actually end up taking the guests on safari after the wedding because maybe the couple loves animals. And so, um, Again, to me, like when it comes from a space of genuineness, I think it's great, right? Like what, when else do you have everyone you love in the same place and you want to share a little bit about you guys with them? You want to kind of make sure they have a great time. If it's coming from a space of, you know, doing it just to do it or because someone else does it, then, you know, to me personally, it's not that compelling. But uh, I, I do think that there is a little bit more thought that is going to go into weddings, especially now post-COVID. Right? They're going to be smaller. They're going to be more intimate. I do think that you know, we're going to go back to the heart of weddings a little bit. Do you think the spends will, will uh, reduce? Or you think that will kind of remain the same, but what they do will uh, you know, be a lot more? I think because- 2020, definitely the spends are going to go down. Right? There's no question about it. Just because you can't have a wedding outside. You're having a wedding at home. You're doing a small legal ceremony. A few people coming. I think also a lot of people have been impacted, right, personally by this crisis. A lot of people have lost money in the market. Some, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Um, and so I do think spends will go down definitely in 2020 to a certain extent in 2021. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously people will get to have the type of weddings they want towards the end of 2021. And that if you want to have a 500 person destination wedding, go ahead and do it. But my advice would be like, you want to spend money, spend money, but spend it on something that is like genuinely meaningful, right? Uh, that that would be how I would think about it. You know, uh, you had authored an article recently um, and you talked about how families are spending, or at least save to spend about a fifth of their savings, um, hmm. of their earnings in their, in their lifetime. Um, that's not a huge sum of money to spend on a wedding, right? Um, it is. So what you're saying is that post-COVID, we might actually see that number probably fall somewhat, um, maybe gets diverted to savings, hopefully, uh, that people are <laughs> choosing to do that a bit differently. Um, are you, do you think that trend will, uh, I mean, I'm sure we can't be, we can't be sure of what's going to happen in the future, but I'd love to hear your comments on that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I do think definitely in the short term, maybe even in the medium term, that number will go down. I think at the end of the day, what's the sort of how long it will last is going to really depend on how long we remember something like this, right? Like a lot of times after wars, for example, in the past, you've had huge booms because people have just been desperate to get out there to celebrate. Or you have other events where, you know, you're left with like a little bit more of a somber feeling. You, you know, are trying to empathize with what the rest of the country is going through. You don't want to have a big celebration. So I think 
a lot of how long sort of the depressed spending lasts is also going to just depend on like the emotional climate, I would say to a certain extent in India. Um, but for us as a wedding brigade, you know, we don't really, as far as it's not like, oh, if you spend a little bit more, you spend a little bit less, that doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is no matter what type of wedding you're having, whether you're inviting five people or whether you're inviting 500 people, so how can we make it better and how can we make it easier? Um, you know, uh, we just want to be a part of the celebration and let you enjoy the celebration by being there. As a, as a founder now, how are you thinking about the business itself? Uh, if spends are going down and, you know, that, and I believe it has impacted uh, your revenues um, to a large extent. Uh, are you, how are you looking at technology? How are you looking at uh, the near future? And I mean, I'm showing there's tactics to, to kind of, you know, uh, ensure there is a better outcome for, for your company, but also long term, you're probably building different things that will solve for some of the challenges. Sure. So uh, I think, you know, the demand for content has remained very strong. So that's been something that we've been focusing on during the lockdown. I think on the e-commerce front, this will actually, you know, in the medium term end up being uh, a positive experience for us because I think a lot more people post lockdown have become comfortable buying online. A lot more people have bought groceries online for the first time. And I do think that's going to start, uh, you know, showing benefits in other categories as well. In fact, even when deliveries weren't allowed for non-essential goods, we were getting orders throughout lockdown because people still have things to celebrate. And you know, we don't sell like uh, really fancy high-end bridal lingas. Uh, we sell a lot of like outfits from smaller designers, things brides would wear to small at-home functions, to pujas, so or the sister would wear, or the mother would wear. People shop on our platform for Holi, for Ganpati. So I think uh, for us, we actually think e-commerce is going to end up benefiting just given our price point and given the kind of market that we focus on. On the services side, definitely there's been a huge impact, right? Because no one wants to start planning a wedding amid so much uncertainty. And so we've spent this time just rethinking basically what would our services business look like in a post-pandemic world? How can we be more relevant to smaller functions? And in the meantime, really concentrate our energies and focus on the parts of the business that are working well. I think we've been lucky from that respect. You know, I think we're the only wedding platform in India with e-commerce. No one else does it. And so then the impact is going to be much stronger you know, when you don't have diversified revenue, because we do, that's been, that's definitely been an advantage for us. In, in terms of uh, organizing a Zoom wedding, etc., is there a play for the wedding brigade? Honestly speaking, uh, I think in terms of a virtual wedding, maybe a little bit in terms of gathering a few supplies, a few vendors, but I personally feel like an only zoom wedding like a pure zoom wedding where the couple is the only people in attendance and everyone else is virtual i think that's a little bit of a trend because i just feel like at the end of the day weddings are so emotional there's so much based on family there's so many traditions that i think if people have a choice they would much rather get married in person right so post lockdown i do think that uh, I mean, even right now, you know, there are few Zoom weddings that have been sensationalized. But if you actually count the number of Zoom weddings that have happened, they've been very few. Um, so I do think that we will be, you know, physical weddings are here to stay. But I think streaming weddings is going to become very important. So you have the wedding going on and simultaneously it is being broadcasted. Because 
of travel restrictions because of you know older people in the family with underlying conditions i do think there are going to be important people who won't be able to attend in person and so for them that streaming and that broadcasting i think that's going to be the new normal for sure so you're saying to, because it's going to become a lot more intimate um you you still want to include a lot more people and uh, because one of the um uh, things that my wife and i uh, had debated prior to our wedding was uh, you know what what would happen to the rest of the family because you know it's still uh, you know there is there's always that uh, discussion you have saying okay how what is small and and who do you leave out right because i have a right. very large family uh, hmm. right and and so you're basically saying now covid is going to give you a legit excuse to exclude them i mean i think to a certain extent yes but i think a lot of brides want you know for even for a lot of indian families even narrowing one side's guest list to 100 people is a huge task like 200 people in india is considered a small wedding i mean this is going much smaller than that so i i do think uh, it's not necessarily something that people would have chosen if they have a first choice so if you want to get married you call your closest friends and family and then yeah you get other people involved you broadcast the wedding you can broadcast so much stuff the games you play as soon as you get married as bride and groom you know finding the ring in the milk there's so there's many ways i think to get people involved um you know sara we we've spoken a lot about the business uh, a lot about the industry um you know from what i gather you've been a solo founder and you've also fundraised for uh, like you've raised some capital from investors for um, the wedding brigade uh, you know it it's typically been a hard industry also to raise money for though it, you know indians do spend a lot of money on that and you know i think investors will salivate on you know wanting to invest in, in you know something that's so uh you know it's popular and, and there's a piece of the pie you want to capture in terms of commerce in terms of uh, how has that experience been uh, what have you had to sell to them what is the you know grand story so i think i was pretty lucky very early on to sort of find a believer where our thoughts were aligned and um, by believer i mean bloom ventures they invested in my seed round they also understood the vision of building an all encompassing platform to make the planning process easier uh and so that has actually served as like a great sounding board for me um i feel like we have a relationship where you know i can talk to them as easily about missteps as i can about victories and so there are definitely things that you know i've learned there are definitely things that i would maybe do a little bit differently looking back at them but it's been helpful sort of having them throughout that process uh guiding me i've raised money from a couple of other smaller funds like akatsuki entertainment technology a number of angel investors uh the space is obviously challenging because there's no incumbent right it's not like i'm starting a you know edtech business or a hyper local business and people have seen companies sort of scale in that space so that's always challenging when you're one of the first people to try and do something but that's also where the opportunity is the largest right and so i think my focus as a founder has sort of gone from okay you know in the last few years i've really learned what works and what doesn't work and i am going to just build the best business that i have to build and if i focus on just building the absolute best business i can build 
within each context, right? The business I'm building right now is different than the business I was building pre-pandemic. People will come and there will be believers. And that's what we've seen. You know, we've seen that like if we really think deeply and truly about our vision, we're very like sure on what we want to do and why we want to do it. You find believers and you find people who want to support the story and support the company. Because uh, that, there's an interesting point because, uh, you know, a lot of investors also will shy away uh, when you have players like a, a matrimony or a shadi who, you know, a public, uh, publicly listed companies. And, you know, when they smell uh, blood in the water, they also want a piece of it. I mean, that's, it's, it's atypical, right? Uh, because I think they also venture into a dating, though they do matrimony. Uh, they, they've tried different things. I, I know um, Shadi also on their on their books they show that they have uh, you know a business uh, of e-commerce of you know other services that they offer. I think they call it different things. Um, so how did you tackle those kind of questions? Because that's always going to be imposing, right? Like well, you have this behemoth who has all this money. So funnily enough. Uh... You know, with both Shadi and Matrimony, I think they're both 20-year companies, right? They've been around for two decades. But they have never gotten in, like they've never cracked the wedding services space. I mean, they've tried in the past. I do know that even today, like they do have like some tiny parts of business where they're experimenting with the model. But the truth is that a matrimonial company to me and a wedding planning company or wedding website our approach is completely different. You know, a lot of times with a matrimonial website, it's the parents that sign you up, that help you manage the process. If you look at the branding, the wording, and you compare it to that of like the wedding brigade or any other wedding website, which is more focused on the bride and the younger customers. I mean, it's a totally different audience, it's a totally different approach. And um, just like, you know, you may stay at a hotel for a business trip, you may not want to get married at that hotel. I think my viewpoint is that, you know, you may trust someone with one service, you may not necessarily trust them with another. So for us, weirdly enough, we've never really like, at least in the market faced any competition from that perspective. The competition has actually been more just from other platforms that are trying to sort of operate in this space. We're the only ones in e-commerce. So there it hasn't really been uh, much of an issue from a wedding perspective, but on services, it's yeah, been more from other wedding platforms and not really from these guys. When you look at um, the trend in the Indian uh, e-commerce and uh, content space, they've started to focus a lot on uh, Bharat, right? Which is non-metro, non-English native, uh, English as a native uh, language, where they've started to you know move into that. Are you looking to create a completely separate platform to target that? Because I, I know it can be hard to you know re um, can get there. Um. So there are no sort of like huge holistic plans yet. We do do like some ads and stuff in Hindi in ex as an experiment to kind of see how that works. Uh, so we are like doing a little bit of experimentation, but uh, as of now, there's no plans to create like a new website or anything from that perspective. Uh, but it is definitely something I'm watching more closely. And especially, I think, on the content front. See, I think even for a Hindi language speaker to check out on an English-based website is okay, right? You see, you, see the, you see like an outfit, you see a piece of jewelry, you know what you're getting. 
but i think to create like that deeper relationship with them having content in the native language is actually going to be a little bit more important so we're thinking about it but uh, you know no like big plans yet let me put it that way because vcs do have um, thesis on each of the segments right because your your thinking uh, your behavior uh, and your sensibilities are different um, because what what works in a tier 1 or metro and what they want to uh, how they live their lives uh, you know even within my family they have very different sensibilities like when they come from a smaller town to when they're from a larger town so they want to they consume completely different things so i would imagine then the approach you know it doesn't work yeah i think the other thing also is that you know it's if we'd been around for a decade we'd really fully penetrated the urban markets or our cities then i think it would definitely be something that would be more on our mind but like if you look at you know the number of weddings that happen in india every year or the spend on weddings every year i mean we're just about scratching the surface right like we have a long way to go i think before even sort of like your tier 1 market is penetrated and so you know it kind of relates back to the point i made earlier about focus you know we have a small team so we're saying let's do what we're doing right now first let's do it well and then we'll take on the next project so let's touch on uh, actually we have done a lot of the on the covid side so um, do you want to add anything else on covid and and its impact um i think the only thing i would say is that like it's definitely been very hard it's not uh, you know it's i think the impact on the industry is like irrefutable but i think the silver lining to a certain extent is it just allows you to rethink certain aspects of the business that you may not have given yourself permission to rethink before you know like oh that's too crazy that's too big of a change i can't do it but big changes and big moves in this climate are normal you know so it just i think it's allowed me also to just be able to think a little bit more deeply think a little bit more practically about what was working what wasn't working and act on what wasn't working because um uh, yeah i think earlier you know if i had to stop doing something which i started there'd be like a few like you know like niggling doubts like how can we stop after we've already done this but i think making big moves is becoming more normal so that's been uh, yeah a little bit of a blessing in disguise from the technology standpoint um are you guys doing anything differently um on as i said on the services side we are exploring a little bit of like a deeper approach to the services that we offer so that will have a, a tech angle to it um i think the other thing obviously is we're just trying to you know use tech as much as we can to reach our customers to bring people together this is not just on our platform this is even using uh new tools where on tiktok more we do a lot more instagram lives where we share photos videos we're just trying we did a, a zoom webinar recently with uh, designers like uh, manish malhotra um huge industry veterans like vandana mohan vishal punjabi like really the best of the best in every category we had over 500 wedding professionals sign on to kind of listen to their take on the industry so we are using tech i think to connect with our audience more in different ways but yeah not just on our platform on through other platforms as well so what what i'm hearing is that from a from the approach standpoint as far as uh, you know the wedding ticket goes that's not going to change in terms of too much of tech but using uh, better ways to distribute uh, finding other ways to reach the audience um 
So uh, you actually bring a very interesting uh, kind of case, right? Because uh, I always thought of it as being uh, content creators, which is you and your customers. And then of course, there's this transaction that happens. Um, bringing in like other stakeholders, like the designers and uh, you know freelancers, etc. How important is that to the business? Uh, so, I mean, they are our brand partners, right? Like as of now, I mean, we have a private label as well, but like we sell products that are from other brands or that are created from other brands. And so, you know, keeping them involved, being in touch with them, figuring out what's happening with them. That's a very big part of the industry. I think even on the services side, you know, as I said, we have over 4,000 venues and vendors. So those are really important relationships. I think uh, we are definitely like a much more B2C focused platform. You know, we do tend to focus more on talking to the actual bride. But I think in order to even like figure out what to offer the bride, it's important to understand what's happening in the industry, right? What's trending? How are people approaching this? How do they think weddings are going to transform? So I think even to do a good job on B2C, you have to have a pretty solid handle on B2B as well. Um, hey, Sana, this has been amazing. Um, you guys, uh, you know, have seen enormous growth. Are you hiring? It, it's probably a tough question to ask right now. Honestly, we're not hiring right now. I think the climate is not super supportive, but I'm hoping maybe at the end of this year, early next year, or whenever the market uh, sees a little bit of a recovery, then yes, we, we would love to expand the team and get things going. But right now, I think the name of the game is, you know, conserving cash and or just being as responsible as we can until things open up. I think that's an industry-wide kind of sentiment probably. At, and, you know, you're just, um, you know, so anybody who probably wants to work at the wedding brigade will probably have to keep in touch uh, on your careers page. Yeah, I would say check in after a few months and, you know, hope, hopefully, I mean, if we recover faster, hopefully we hire faster. We'll see how it goes. Um, a last question I had was, uh, you actually moved, uh, you know, you changed your brand name uh, from uh -huh. what it was prior to what it is now. A lot of startups and businesses don't do that. It's a no-no from a you know, business standpoint. Was it a hard decision to make? Uh, what prompted you to get there? So we, uh, earlier brand was called Indeo, I-N-D-E-A-R. And, uh, we decided to change the name pretty early. So before we even like raised any funding, uh, you know, we obviously had like at that point, probably definitely a million plus visits or so, but it's not that, you know, it was such an trend brands and brand in people's heads. And so it wasn't such a hard decision to change it because of that. And I think the reason to change it was very compelling, right? One is, you know, as a company that was associated with weddings, the word in there just didn't have enough of a connection. So whenever people know what it was, but here in there and think I was saying India. And so they would always, you know, have to spell it out and a good brand shouldn't have to, you know, take so long to be explained. It should be very clear what people do, I think, from the name. And it was also like a dot in as opposed to a dot com. And so all of these things came together. And when we were thinking that, you know what, we want to create a holistic wedding platform, it needs to be something that can be applicable to content, to e-commerce, to services. And when we thought of the wedding brigade, we really thought of, you know, us as a bride's personal brigade coming together to make her wedding happen, to get everything done from her. And it made sense in every context of our services. And so we decided to do it. 
uh, I do think it's more challenging doing it, uh, you know, a little bit later on in a company's life cycle. But we also did do a few things to sort of keep the brand consistent. So the logo, the little pink elephant, that was the same for India and the Wedding Brigade. The green and pink coloring was the same. So I think that created a little bit of recall in customers' heads. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. So. Well, thanks for all the insights. Uh, I had a great time discussing, uh, you know, the wedding industry and what you guys have been up to. Continue with success. Thank you so much, Varun. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me and have a great rest of your weekend. Hey guys, that's the end of our show. Do follow me on Twitter at Varun Vumidi. And of course, don't forget to leave me a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, be it YouTube, uh, iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify. That's the only way other people can find out about stars and startups. So don't forget, um, subscribe and uh, tell others. Tell others about what we're up to, um, sharing stories about founders and their journey right here on Stars and Startups, focusing on Indian entrepreneurs and uh, amazing stories. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.